Farmer, can I help hello. you? Hello, hello. I just shot my wife in the head. I don't think she's breathing anymore, and I think I'm gonna set the house on fire. Or my apartment. What's the address, sir? This is a recording of a 911 call placed by a young man who goes by the name Route Lines. Wait, wait, what? Stop. What's the street? Me. Lane, and I'm in Unit 78, and I'm a, I, I think I'm going to set the apartment on fire, and my wife is... This is audio from something known as a swatting call. Routelines calls the local police with some sort of made-up emergency, provides an address, and then officers rush in under the assumption that something terrible has happened. Is... No, 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 don't do that. But you said you is... just shot your wife? Yeah, she's on the ground. She's not breathing anymore. My kids, I have my kids tied up, and I don't know what to do. Okay, so where's the gun? It's called swatting because police SWAT teams respond to these hoax reports by descending en masse on someone's house, which is terrifying and can actually get someone hurt. Because remember, law enforcement is responding to a call they believe will be violent, guns drawn. And route lines, for his part, he's turned it into a real business. People pay him to make these calls to exact revenge on people they have a beef with. So is this something you think you do like once a week, a couple times a month, or is it more than that? Dude, I'd like, I swatted somebody as soon as I woke up this morning. Route Lines and his business partner, who goes by the name Poodle, like the dog, agreed to speak to us for this story as long as we didn't use their real names. And while they seem to show no remorse or empathy for their victims, they do show flashes of their age. They're teenagers, and we had exchanges like this. Is your name Poodle because you have a funny haircut? Or because you have a certain kind of dog? Where does that come from? Uh, I'm not sure. Poodles are just kind of cute. We found them in a telegram channel where swatters hang out. Poodle is an administrator of the channel and actually runs his own swatting service. For less than $100, he'll swat someone for you. You give him the money and an address, and then he subcontracts it out to Routelines, who has written out scripts that he reads to police dispatchers. That's what you heard before. And Routelines, are you a swatter too? Yeah, I, uh, I do it pretty frequently. I be getting on the news all the time. Pretty nice when I see my uh, swatting on the news, you know? Makes me feel like I did a good job. No one is quite sure how much swatting actually occurs in the U.S. There's no centralized database tracking it yet. But experts will tell you that swatting is on the rise. Do you guys worry about something bad happening, something beyond swatting happening? I've killed somebody's dog. You killed somebody's dog? Yeah. Were you... did you feel bad about that? Yeah. I'm Dina Templerest, and this is Click Here, a podcast about all things cyber and intelligence. We're telling true stories about the people making and breaking our digital world. And today, we not only talk to a couple of swatters, but we look at why swatting incidents could be coming to a neighborhood near you, and why they aren't just about teenagers making mischief anymore. Advances in technology are making all this even easier to do. And legislators, law enforcement, and tech companies are finally starting to take notice. Chat GPT, AI machine, satellite, engine ignition, click here, and lift off. Stay with us.
Hello, I'm Adam Fleming from the Global Story podcast from the BBC World Service. We are looking at Lena Khan, the face of the US government's battle to regulate big tech. She's already redefined the way we talk about monopolies. Now she's taking on the likes of Amazon and Meta. But who is she and will she win? The Global Story brings you fresh takes and smart perspectives from BBC journalists around the world. Find us wherever you get your BBC podcasts. Politics has never been stranger or more online, which is why the politics team at Wired is making a new show, Wired Politics Lab. It's all about how to navigate the endless stream of news and information and what to look out for. Each week on the show, we'll dig into far-right platforms, AI chatbots, influencer campaigns, and so much more. Wired Politics Lab launches Thursday, April 11th. Follow the show wherever you get your podcasts. It's 7.30 a.m. in Milwaukee, and a police officer is standing on a small, sunny porch, reading a sign that's taped up to a screen door. Please knock, bell broken. Call this number. This is from a video recorded by a home security camera. And the cop pulls out his cell phone and begins dialing the number. Yeah, I don't think he's going to answer because it's blocked, so he probably gets called a lot. Probably. The he the policeman is referring to is Patrick Tomlinson. He's a sci-fi writer, and he lives in this Milwaukee house with his wife, Nikki Robinson. They say they've been swatted 43 times since July 2022, which maybe sounds hyperbolic, but it's true. We received logs of all 43 calls from the Milwaukee Police Department through the Freedom of Information Act, and each one of them indicated that something terrible was taking place and police needed to respond right away. Patrick says it happened at all hours of the day and night. And you can imagine being startled awake by the knocking on the door and police with weapons drawn on the porch. Though in this home surveillance video Patrick provided, the scene is less dramatic. Hello? That's Patrick's voice coming through a speaker on the porch. Uh, we're aware, yeah, we're fine. Yeah, we're aware of the situation. I just got to give you a card with my name on it, if you're home. Just, yeah, we're, we're both home. Just throw it in the mailbox, please. Sounds good. I appreciate it. What was it this time? Uh, they, I think you shot your wife. They, they said something about you shot your wife. We're, we're aware of the situation, so. Did I shoot you, honey? Oh, I'm fine. No, she's unshot. Thank you. Sorry for wasting your time this morning. All right, have a good day. By the way, although Poodle and Routelines use pretty much the same kind of script about a guy shooting his wife, they have no connection to any of Patrick's swatting incidents. And according to Patrick, all of this started with an innocuous tweet about Norm MacDonald, the comedian. But it was picked up by a community of particularly aggressive online trolls. And there was a lot of back and forth with Patrick. And then the swatting began. For the last five years, their publicly stated goal was to destroy my career, ruin our marriage, and um, eventually drive me so low that I killed myself. Which sounds kind of crazy until you stop to think about how much of our lives are lived online and how easy it is from anywhere to pretend to be someone like Patrick and then tell the dispatcher all kinds of crazy things, like poodle and rat lines do. And if it happens over and over, you could see how it could make life a living hell. 
And Patrick's wife, Nikki, says none of this has an obvious fix. I mean, every time they've come out, we have asked for a solution. Like, can we give you a code word? Can we, can we have a number to a lieutenant? Swatting episodes tend to be local, a little scattershot, and largely untracked. Swatting has been a thing for decades, but it was only this year that people have attempted to track it in some holistic way. We've known about instances of swatting since the early 2000s, but it's gotten easier and and more frictionless as time has gone on, and it's gotten more popular. Lauren Cruff is legal counsel for tech policy at the Anti-Defamation League, or ADL. And she and her team track online hate and harassment in the U.S., and she's been seeing a spike in swatting attacks. And as we were engaging in determining what were the biggest threats at play, swatting was coming up again and again as an issue, a form of digital abuse. Swatting got its start in the online gaming community. Gamers called the police on each other as a kind of prank, a kind of ding-dong ditch for those of you who remember ringing doorbells and running away. Except it's ding-dong ditch on steroids. Basically, what would happen is an online gamer would be streaming themselves while they're gaming. And all of a sudden, they would be called outside. There would be a police raid, but some level of chaos in the background. You can imagine the scene. You're cleaning up in Call of Duty or League of Legends. And then there's this banging on the door. And people can see you getting up from the game, going to the door, and maybe SWAT teams actually bursting in. Poodle did something like that when he was just 14 years old. He was playing Xbox with a few other people, and then to knock out the winning players, he made a hoax call. So people would take each other offline, but instead of doing that, I would just swat people on there. So that's that's basically what I was doing. I was just swatting people off of Xbox. So you can win? Or is it to bug someone? It's, it's really just to piss them off. It's a major inconvenience. To a gamer, I'm sure it seems hilarious. And Lauren from the ADL says what started in that world has now burst into ours. It really started as some sort of joke and then gained seriousness and individuals really started to use this as a method to target folks for various reasons. The ADL says online hate, and swatting more specifically, runs the gamut. Victims include celebrities, high-profile authors, activists. They've even seen people targeted based on their race, ethnicity, gender, or religion. Lauren says they've been able to trace some swatting episodes back to neo-Nazi groups. But even when those people are caught by police, Lauren says they find refuge in legal loopholes. Oftentimes, legal protections for swatting are the same as a hoax or prank call to 911, but it's a completely different act. There's a different level of intent, and obviously the response is incredibly different. But if, thank God, there's not, you know, a fatality, it becomes much harder to hold an individual accountable. Part of the accountability problem stems from the fact that a good portion of swatters are teenagers, though adults are doing it now, too. And if perpetrators are caught at all, they usually get a slap on the wrist. Swatting has traditionally been treated more as mischief than a serious crime. But if you're living in a time when police shootings are rampant, swatting someone can have very serious consequences, deadly consequences. And just a warning here, 
you're about to hear gunfire. Back in 2017, police responded to an emergency call at the Kansas home of Andrew Finch. This is from a police body cam video of that night. You can see Finch's white clapboard house across the street. An open door, someone with their hands up. Police tell him to come out of the house. Walk this way! And then Finch leans down. He's right there, he's right there. Walk! We got shots fired. Finch is lying on the stoop. There are police all around the house, guns drawn. They thought they were responding to a shooting call. They thought they saw him holding a weapon. So they opened fire and they killed him. The district attorney said it was reasonable for officers to think Finch had a gun. The call that brought them there, a report of an armed man, was a SWAT. A SWAT gone very wrong. But they didn't know that at the time. In that particular case, the police were able to trace the call back to a 26-year-old gamer in Los Angeles. He was sentenced to 20 years in prison. But Poodle said that's not going to stop him. So are you guys not too worried about getting arrested for doing that kind of stuff? Uh, not really. I'm not worried either way. So tell me why you're not worried. The punishment is not very big, and I'm just not worried about it. The feds aren't on shit. When we come back, the technology that's making swatting so easy and why the FBI is finally stepping in. Stay with us. Blockchain, NFTs, AI. What does this mean for you and me? I'm Sherelle Dorsey, host of the TED Tech Podcast, where we bring you the latest innovations and biggest ideas in tech. Tech is evolving fast and it affects our lives from the metaverse to the watches on our wrists. You'll learn why people in AI make good business partners about our future self-driving robo taxi, what the next generation of Siri, Alexa, Google looks like, and a lot more. Find Ted Tech on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Do you remember the HBO series, The Wire? It was all about Baltimore, the business of doing drug dealing in the city, and wiretaps. Lots and lots of wiretaps. The Wire is what gives us Barksdale. Day by day, piece by piece. Tracing a call back then just required a court order and some savvy to know which landline or payphone to listen to. But these days, so much of our communication is wireless. So instead of using copper wires, we can use this incredible internet and network system that we have throughout the world to transmit voice. That's Fred Posner, a voice over IP consultant in Gainesville, Florida. Voice over IP is voice over internet protocol, VoIP for short. And it's kind of the standard now. And whether you know it or not, you probably use it all the time. One example? FaceTime, or Skype. What you may not know is that it's also possible to buy a phone number from a VoIP carrier and place calls from it using a computer. If you think about how old telephony is with the images of maybe Alexander Graham Bell 
calling Watson or something and, and having a phone ring, those were done with physical cables. And much like some of us did as, as kids taking two cans with a, with a wire in between, the voice travels across that wire and gets reproduced on the other end. But with VoIP, all that happens wirelessly, which means two things. One, it's much less expensive. And two, it's a lot harder to trace. Now, on the internet age, it's no longer physical. I'm connecting to you through my office in Gainesville, Florida. And I have an internet service provider who's connecting to another provider who's connecting to another provider who's connecting somewhere to you and however you're connecting to the internet. And there's a lot of different companies and infrastructures involved that make it difficult to trace who was using a specific connection at a specific time. It is possible to follow all those links in the chain from the 911 dispatch center that receives a call all the way back to the person who placed it wirelessly. But to do that, you need time, you need patience, and sometimes subpoenas. And even if you do manage to work your way all the way back to the source, often the end of the line is an IP address. And, of course, swatters can use VPNs or anonymous communication browsers to mask their locations, to make it look like they're calling from someplace they're really not. So there's this other thing about our VoIP expert, Fred. He used to be a cop. So he gets, in a really visceral way, how tricky this can be. So it would be a little bit like kids would ring a doorbell and run away. Yes. And and chasing the kids who did this, even if they did it like every 10 minutes and really bothered you, police likely are not going to make that the top of their agenda. Is that a good analogy? To me, this analogy works in multiple ways because most of the time you're never going to call the police, right? Because you know that nothing's going to happen. Then the people that do call the cops are going to have to say, hey, I'm getting... Uh, harassed by this individual. They're going to be like, okay, well, it's a low-grade misdemeanor that's just not worth their time to do an incredible amount of work to first uh, subpoena your internet carrier and go, okay, who was this that, that did the connection? And then subpoena that person, and then subpoena that person, and then follow the trail until you find me. Remember Patrick and Nikki, the Milwaukee couple who had been swatted 43 times? We traced 85 of the phone numbers that sent harassing text messages and phone calls to them, and 95% of them used VoIP carriers. And three-quarters of those came from a company called TextNow. Get a free second number from TextNow! Use it for dating and your side hustle. TextNow is a platform that allows users to anonymously place calls using U.S. phone numbers. And unlike traditional cellular service, where a provider might need a credit card and address to sign up, TextNow customers just need to provide an email address to start making calls. Which means the company doesn't have much information to give law enforcement if some swatting calls were placed on their service. We asked TextNow to talk to us about this, and they declined to go on tape. But a spokesman told us, quote, We are deeply disturbed by the rise in swatting activity across the United States. And then they said it wasn't just them, it was an industry-wide problem, and that they regularly shut down accounts and assist law enforcement in tracking down swatters. If there's anything that focused minds on the scourge of swatting, it was what happened this past spring. A disturbing pattern at local schools today as residents of counties across New York State have dealt with the same cruel problem, bogus and unfounded reports of shots fired. Schools in 
First, at the end of March, police in New York responded to three dozen swatting calls that sent them to over 200 schools across the state. Then, in April, nearly two dozen universities were swatted. Catholic University in D.C., eight colleges in Texas. Colleges in Texas were the targets of bogus 911 calls today, claiming there were mass shootings on campus. Fake calls coming in, threatening schools all across the country, including Massachusetts, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Colorado. It appears it was all a coordinated hoax. Fox 4's A swatter targeting Harvard called three times, claiming he was holding a woman hostage in a specific residential building in a specific room and he threatened to come out of the room, guns blazing. Campus police came in with their guns drawn, only to find four black students asleep and no hostage situation at all. To get to the bottom of this, that's the first thing they have to do. Second, I'm calling for us to supercharge the FBI. I will put in this summer's budget $10 million specifically to target swatting. This is Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer speaking at one of those New York high schools that was swatted. A, required to get more FBI agents on the case. And B, it takes a lot of computer work and cyber work to go after these people. They eventually find these swatters no matter where they are. But they need the resources to do it. And a month later, probably not a coincidence, the FBI came up with an interim solution something they call a virtual command center. It's basically a portal for the purpose of sharing awareness with other agencies. This is Matthew Lehman. He's a supervisory intelligence analyst at the FBI. You can almost hear his starch white shirt when he talks. So if you had a critical incident such as wildfires, you could use a virtual command center for a wildfire response. And he says these virtual command centers are stood up during emergencies which case then you could put incidences where fires have occurred and how those fires are being mitigated to use a simple uh, explanation. The VCC is voluntary, and there's no mandate or requirement to report a swatting event. But since May 1st, when the FBI announced they'd start to house swatting information in this database, local police seem to have responded. Right now we have over 200 entries in the virtual command center. That sounds like a lot to me, actually. Does that sound like a lot to you? I don't know what a lot would be. Um, any of them uh, would be a threat to public safety. So to say that there are over 200 is a significant concern for the FBI and for all of our partners. It isn't a $10 million solution like the one Senator Schumer wants, but he says it's a start. Part of the problem with the swatting is awareness. So by sharing the methods by which the incidents happen, it allows for law enforcement to be aware of how it's occurred in other locations so that they can posture themselves. In other words, if a bunch of schools in the area have had bomb threats that turn out to be hoaxes, that's a good thing to know. It might not make anyone respond any slower, but it may allow for understanding that it might not be true. Fred Posner, the VoIP consultant from Florida, welcomed the FBI's news. That FBI announcement was pretty exciting as far as telecom nerd excitement goes. It's the best kind. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What excited me about that is if anyone is going to get the attention of another federal agency to make a change, 
it's going to be something like that. Poodle and route lines, those swatters we talked to at the beginning of the episode, they seem pretty sanguine about the newfound FBI attention. So the FBI wants to put together like a database that sort of compiles all the different SWATs across the country in one database so they can kind of find patterns and figure out ways to fight it. Have you guys heard about that? Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? I don't know. I feel like it might be a good idea, but I don't know. Good idea for them as opposed to you. I, I guess. So it doesn't worry you that they would do something like that? I mean, not really. I mean, what are they going to do with a bunch of calls? Like, I mean, yeah, they're going to get somebody after a while and get a big case on somebody. But I mean, that's about it. I mean, that's pretty big, but still. What do you think, Poodle? Um, I mean, it's good for them, but it ain't going to stop us. And Lauren Cruff of the Anti-Defamation League agrees. She says the virtual command center is only an interim solution, and police need to take concrete steps, not just to chase swatters, but to find new ways to protect the people they target. Creating swatting registries, creating task forces, a way that law enforcement agencies and, you know, in a community way, and folks that are either have been targeted or might be targeted by swatting can come together and create some sort of response. A handful of cities in the U.S. have systems in which people who know they are or might become targets of swatting can give the police a heads up. They can also provide a phone number where the police can reach them directly if an emergency is called into their address. And Matthew Lehman of the FBI said the Bureau is starting to train 911 dispatchers so they can screen possible swatting calls with questions that someone making a hoax call isn't likely to know. Questions like, what does the house across the street look like? Or what's the color of your front door? Poodle and route lines got tripped up by these very kinds of questions when they made a 911 call to police in Pennsylvania recently. The dispatcher asked for a detail just like that. Montgomery County Dispatch 918. Uh, I just, hello, I just came home from work and I just saw my wife cheating. I just shot her in the head. Wait, sir, sir, anymore. what is your address there? It's one, two, three, four, road, apartment three. Do you know what the nearest cross street is there by any chance? No. What is the name of the apartment, sir? Route lines ended the call. So, maybe that's a start. This is Click Here. Here are some of the top cyber and intelligence stories of the past week. A Moscow-based hacking group known as Gamma Redden is ramping up its attacks on Ukrainian military and government targets. That's according to Ukraine's National Coordination Center for Cybersecurity. Gamma Redden allegedly operates out of Crimea and is acting as a hacking arm for Russia's Federal Security Service, or FSB. Ukraine says that while Russian soldiers battle on the ground, Gamma Redden is battling the counteroffensive in cyberspace. Ukrainian authorities didn't say exactly what kind of damage the group has done. The company that sells the Callaway brand of golf gear says it was on the receiving end of a data breach that affected more than a million people. Four! 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 
Topgolf Callaway brand Corp has been notifying customers that some users of its e-commerce websites had information exposed in what they call an IT incident that began on August 1st. The exposed information included account passwords and answers to security questions, as well as names, mailing addresses, email addresses, phone numbers, and order histories. No credit card numbers or social security numbers were affected, the company said. And finally, Britain's National Cybersecurity Center, known as NCSC, has its first chief technology officer. The agency, which is part of Britain's government communications headquarters, GCHQ, will be led by Ollie Whitehouse. It was seen as a coup for the government. Whitehouse most recently worked as the CTO for the information assurance business, NCC Group. I'm Dina Templerest. I'm the executive producer and host of the show. Sean Powers is our senior producer and marketing director. Will Jarvis is our producer. And Jade Abdul-Malik is our staff writer. Our editing team is led by Karen Duffin and Lou Wolkowski. And special thanks this week to Sarah Wyman, who contributed reporting to this episode. Darren Ancrum does our fact-checking, and our theme and original music compositions are by Ben Levingston. We also use music from Blue Dot Sessions. And we'd love to hear from you. Please leave us a review and rating wherever you get your podcasts. Or send us an email at clickhereatrecordedfuture.com. Check out our website with details about our shows and our whole show catalog at clickhereshow.com. And Tara, we see you. Thanks for the great review. That's a wrap for this week. I'm Dina Templerest. We'll be back on Tuesday. Looking for more of the cybersecurity and intelligence coverage you get on Click Here? Then check out our sister publication, The Record, from Recorded Future News. You'll get breaking cyber news from reporters in New York, Washington, London, and Kiev, among others. And you'll see for yourself why it attracts hundreds of thousands of page views every month. Just go to the record.media.